Uh, we're going to explain something. So I'll have you turn to um, uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 5 with me. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. And um, so here's what I'm going to try, I'm going to, try to do. I, t- typically, I've been turning in, I've been turning five-minute questions into 15-minute answers, and I need to stop doing that, okay? And uh, so I'm, I'm going to try to keep everything in perspective this evening. But let's go to 1 Corinthians in chapter uh, 5. The, the question is, please explain or expound on 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. All right? And so we see verse 11 once you get there this evening. And uh, the bit of a bit of a... Actually, guys, I know there's you know, flipping rocks over and everything, trying to... There's a lot of information in these, these handful of verses here, and I'll touch on them briefly just to give you a little bit of extra knowledge on a few of these things. But verse 11 says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if a man that is called a brother be a fornicator or a covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner from such a one know not to eat. So in order to expound on that verse, guys, again, to establish the context of a verse, uh, typically, you're going to look into the previous verses before and the following verses afterwards. All verses in Scripture are either subtext, you know, or, sorry, context, subtext, or pretext. And this particular verse here is a subtext, meaning it's below the context of the verse and the pretext that establishes uh, the, the, the really and truly what the doctrine is of this verse. So if we skip up just to verse 9, uh, if you will, verse 9 just real quick. Paul says this, and again, this is a little nugget for you as well. Keep in mind, we are in 1 Corinthians, right? We're in 1 Corinthians. Yet, what does Paul say there in verse 9? I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators, right? Hang on. I thought this was 1 Corinthians. See, it is. So we have 1 and 2 Corinthians, but it's obvious that Paul wrote another letter to the church of the Corinthians that was not considered inspired. It was Paul's letter. There were several letters that was written like that. It's just like you and I would write a letter down. Hey, let me give you some information. Let me give you this, let me give you that. But what we have in First and Second Corinthians in our Bible are inspired, okay? Remember, Paul commanded that the church be read to the church at Laodicea, okay? That wasn't considered, that was not an inspired letter, but it was Paul's letter. It doesn't mean what Paul wrote was wrong by any stretch of the imagination. I'd love to have them, love to read them. But what we have now are inspired word of God, and that's why they're canonized, and that's why they're established in our word of God. So Paul says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company of fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. So we stop there for just a second. Remember, the key to verse 11 was, it says, if any man uh, that is called a brother, all right, that is someone who is saved and born again in the blood of Christ, all right? So Paul comes back and says in verse 9, uh, he's saying here to establish the context of verse 11, not to keep, I've, I've written before, told you don't keep company to fornicators, but he says, hang on a second, you know, in order to stay away from all fornicators and covetors and extortioners and, you know, and, and all the things that he listed in verse 11, then you're going to have to come out of the world. Paul said, I'm not telling you to come out of the world. We've got to be in the world, just not of the world. But the only way we're going to win the loss to the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way you're going to win the fornicators, the drunkards, the, you know, the, the extortioners, the covetous, and all, the only way you're going to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ is being around them. All right? So this is not telling us to have nothing to do with sinners. There, there would be no point of us being on this earth, okay, to continue to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ if we were disallowed to be around um, sinful people. Jesus Christ ate with sinners. He ate with publicans. He ate, you know, with, with those, I mean, he, he was amongst those people. 
Verse 11 is important because what verse 11 tells us, if there's someone who is a saved, born-again Christian, all right, and they're living like that, they're living in outright sin, Paul says no not to eat. And that eating part of it, this is the stipulation. So if you want to circle anything in your Bible, we see in verse 10, you can circle, this, that's a stipulation, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world. That refers to a lost soul. So we come back down to verse 11, and you can circle, call a brother, draw a line out there, and write another stipulation. That is someone who is saved and born again. And I know in our hearts and our mind, we say, well, hang on a second. You know, that seems like that's a, a two-edged sword. That's a double standard. That's this and that. Um, let me go ahead and tell you, is it a double standard? <clears throat> yes, it is. Why? Because as a believer in Christ today, I am called and commanded to a higher standard. Your excuse to live as a sinner, a drunkard, a covetous, a, an idolater, an extortioner, a fornicator, you have no excuse. To be unfaithful and uncommitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, His house, His word, His prayer, you have zero excuse today. None. Okay? Now, I know that sounds a bit harsh, but it is. If you're, called, if you're called a brother or a sister in Christ. Now, if you want to be of the world and you're lost, you know, the only commandment you have is to be written, repent and be saved and born again. And until you reach that point, okay, of eternal life, that's the stipulation, and that's what we find. Now, it says, no, not to eat. Now, having a, that's an important phrase, because that is a point of fellowship, sweet fellowship. We have fellowship together as believers. Where the Spirit bears witness with one another, where we have sweet time together, we have bonds together, we have that Holy Spirit that binds us in our life together. Yeah? If you, there is a brother or a sister in Christ who's living like the world, who's a drunkard, an extortioner, you know, that old list, you have to step away from them. There is no fellowship. Now, what does, now does that mean you cut them off completely? You can meet them with counseling. Here's what I would always suggest. Um, I would personally suggest if um, a brother or a sister in Christ, okay, uh, is living like sin, living terrible, living wickedly, make sure I'm locked in here, living wickedly, in order to counsel them, personally, I would like to meet with me and my wife to sit down with them, or me and another brother in Christ to sit down with them and counsel them. Why? Because there's accountability there. They understand that, hey, man, we're not just hanging out. There's accountability. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 tells us, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I, we can't restore such a one in the spirit of meekness if we have nothing to do with them. Matter of fact, I knew of a church years ago that rode this pony so hard right here that they would disfellowship people from their church. Guess what the stipulation for you to be disfellowshipped from their church when you left their church? No sin, no drunkenness, no covetousness, no fornication, no adultery, none of that stuff. If you, if you left their church, they disfellowship you. And these crazy families that was in this place, they would turn down a different aisle in the grocery store when they saw you because they were part of a cult, because they were hook, line, and sinker with the guy that was leading them astray, if you will, okay? Disfellowship was a famous word in that little, that little uh, uh, hole-in-the-wall place. I mean, it, it just was. It, it was it, that disfellowship this, disfellowship that. I mean, one little thing, disfellowship, you know? It's not what this is talking about. 
we do have a biblical right and a biblical command that if a brother or sister in Christ moves into the world, they start drinking, fornicating, carrying on like that. Yes, we are to not have fellowship with them. But it does not mean you can't meet with them on a scheduled basis to try to restore them in the spirit of meekness and truth. That is called counseling. That is educating them. That's not going out for dinner. That's not hanging out. I would make it a very prescribed time, a meeting in the office, a meeting in the place, a meeting in the church. It ain't hanging out with the buddy. It's you're trying to help them and win them back to Christ. Very formatted and formal types of meeting. Amen? Does that answer that question pretty good? You know, quite simple. So remember, subtext is in verse 11. Uh, context is in verses 9 and 10. Uh, really, a lot of the pretext that is being involved in here is verses uh, 1 through 5. As you know, when Paul writes back there in chapter 5, verse 1, uh, he had received notification that there was sin inside the camp, sin inside the church, uh, sin that wasn't even named among the Gentiles, that where a boy had taken his stepmother as wife, and the church had done nothing about it. Paul said in verse 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of um, our Lord Jesus. So, the, you know, what is that? That is called church discipline. Church discipline is never intended, intended for retaliation or for harm. It's always intended for repentance to be part of the equation down the road. That's what church discipline is for. Uh, we've had to do it in times past. Uh, it's not a fun thing to do. It is a commandment. It's not enjoyable. Um, but, you know, when Paul writes back in 2 Corinthians, we find that now he's saying, receive him. He's repented. He's done right. Lest he be over, you know, over, over sorrow, you know, overtaken in, in much sorrow. So he says, repent uh, on that. Amen. All right. So good questions tonight. Nice to answer that. Uh, if there are any further questions about that later on, grab me after church service this evening, and then we'll go over it, guys.